0: Welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Climate Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Andy Stone. Joe Biden has made the fight against climate change one focus of his new administration. Consistent with that focus is his appointment of Janet Yellen, a former Federal Reserve Chairman and an advocate for climate action to the role of Secretary of the Treasury. The Treasury Department is responsible for guarding the United States' economic health. And much of its work during the early months of the Biden administration will be to help the country to navigate the ongoing economic impacts of the COVID pandemic. Yet, as the economic damages due to climate change have become more apparent in recent years, the need for the Treasury to take action on the climate front has also become apparent. This has raised interest in the steps that the new Treasury Secretary might take to address climate change and how an economic agency might, in fact, shape climate policy. In today's podcast, I'll be talking with Harvard University Energy and Environmental Economist Joe Aldi about the Treasury's power to join the effort to address climate change. Joe will take a look at the tools the Treasury might employ to set its own climate policies and influence climate action in other parts of government. He'll also look at the power the Treasury might have to influence global climate action as the country's chief economic diplomat. Joe, welcome to the podcast.
1: Andy, thanks for having me.
0: So you have been involved with the Climate 21 Project, which promotes a whole of government approach to tackling climate change. What, what is this whole of government approach?
1: Well, Andy, I think it starts with a recognition that climate change has an impact on every corner of the economy uh, for people, whether they're living in uh, California, where they may be at risk of wildfires or the Gulf Coast for risk of hurricanes or anywhere in the country, when we think about the prospect of heat waves in the summer uh, or risk that may actually permeate from climate change that pass through the financial system and affect people when we think about their savings and their investments. So I think when you look at the fact that climate change is gonna have an impact everywhere in the economy, and for that matter, our efforts to try to combat climate change, to reduce our emissions of greenhouse gases are gonna require us to decarbonize every corner of the economy as well you recognize that you need to then bring the full force of the federal government across everything that it does in order to drive those kinds of changes we need to mitigate the risk of climate change. So that means that it's not just something that the EPA does in environmental regulations or the Department of Energy does in developing new energy technologies, but it's a, an understanding that what we do in, say, labor markets, to think about the risks that climate change may pose to worker productivity has implications for what the Department of Labor and OSHA may do. It has implications for how we might think about housing and what the kind of policies we wanna pursue in the Department of Housing and Urban Development to help address uh, some of the concerns and risks posed by climate change. It's to think through what might be some of the potential uh, risks that we face through natural disasters that impact how the Department of Homeland Security is gonna organize its efforts to address climate change. And because of the risks that climate change poses to economic activity, is a critical role that the Department of Treasury can play when it's actually trying to pursue a long-term economic growth strategy that's resilient to climate change.
0: So as as we said, the, the, the Treasury is the executive agency that oversees the nation's finances and its economy. And, and you've said that it's it's got this important role to play, but how is it positioned to influence climate policy?
1: Well, I think the important thing is to start with the Secretary of the Treasury, uh, the nominee, Janet Yellen, Dr. Yellen, will represent the Administration on Economic Policy as she works with economic policy around the world and other governments, as she works with leaders in the investment community and CEOs in the business community. She'll be the person representing the Administration on Economic Policy, working with Congress on the steps that we take going forward. And so there's everything that, that represents what President-elect Biden wants to do and what President Biden will do as president with economic policy is going to start with how his economic team, led by uh, Secretary Yellen, will engage all these policymakers in the public and private sector on climate change. So the thing that I think is really important is is to recognize that because climate change has impacts throughout the entire economy, what Treasury does influencing and guiding, say, what the federal government does on insurance policy. Or what the federal government does in financial regulation, what the federal government does in providing credit and guaranteeing credit into the US economy, all these are going to have important implications in how they address and, and also on how they account for the risk of climate change.
0: So this is a very different role than we might see, for example, from the EPA, which which you know kind of comes front of mind when we talk about climate issues. EPA obviously would would uh, um, have regulation that would directly impact, say, the uh, amount of emissions that come from a certain industry. This role for Treasury is a very different role in that sense.
1: Right. So so EPA could use, say, existing authorities under the Clean Air Act to, to regulate emissions directly. What Treasury can do when engaging, say, the private sector uh, is both uh, how to promote and, and encourage... Uh, accounting for both climate change risk and what might be the implications of climate change policy in the business and investment communities. The, there's, there's a, you know, we can think about this as really complementing what EPA does. EPA will be setting out these uh, standards uh, to try to reduce emissions, and what Treasury can do is to ensure that the business community and the investment community are accounting for uh, what policy may be in the future to help guide. That next investment uh, to guide those next uh, decisions in the business community that are going to help reduce uh, the emissions intensity of our economy, that might guide us towards uh, new innovations and commercializing them and bringing them into the economy to help respond in an effective way to these new policies and to the the ambitious long-term goals that President Biden has set uh, for uh, his new administration uh, so so I, it, it's different than saying we're going to tell a, 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 an industry X to do uh, uh, this emission requirement or this uh, uh, meet this uh, emission target. Uh, but I think they can really help drive the change in behavior across everybody in the private sector in a way that can help ensure that we have the breadth of decarbonization we need in the economy, but that we can also do so in a more cost effective manner.
0: Now, Joe Biden has picked Janet Yellen to lead the Treasury, and it's important because Yellen favors a carbon tax, and she has a history of supporting climate action generally. Now, the question is, given all that she has on her plate, notably uh, economic recovery uh, related to the COVID crisis, how realistic is it that she'll, in fact, make climate change a priority, again, a priority, again, given all that she's got to, to, to think about?
1: Secretary Yellen has a lot on her plate, uh, rebuilding our economy, uh, rebuilding our economic relationship with allies around the world as well. Uh, The Secretary of the Treasury uh, represents the administration in uh, international economic policymaking. Uh, so, So there's certainly a lot that's on her plate. There's probably a lot with respect to tax reform that's also on her plate. But I think it starts with the president. When the president says this is a priority, members of the cabinet respond to that and the president has made it very clear that climate change is one of the first-tier priorities he wants to address in his first administration. It is uh, something that I think is reflected in his choice of Janet Yellen as Secretary of the Treasury. Secretary Yellen has done her homework for decades on climate change. Uh, I I was uh, her staffer back when she was chair of CEA, uh, when she was representing uh, the Clinton administration, Uh, before Congress uh, testifying on the economic impacts of the Kyoto Protocol. Uh, So she spent a good bit of time back then learning about and understanding climate change policy, recognizing the importance of dealing with the challenge of climate change, but doing so in a manner that makes best use of our resources, uh, because it's that kind of cost-effective approach to climate change that can ensure that we, A, uh, can uh, uh, deal with a problem this year, B, have the resources and the political will to take even more ambitious steps in the next year and the next year and so on. So I I think that uh, she recognizes that this is something that is a priority for the president. And I think she appreciates how this has implications throughout the economy, which is why it's a natural place for her as the lead of the economic team to tackle climate change. And I think she will be creative and her team will be creative in how they think about delivering progress on climate change that complements efforts to rebuild the American economy.
0: You just mentioned the word team, team in the treasury, and that that brings up an interesting point. Yellen is walking into a treasury that has been gutted in terms of uh, the climate experts that it has on staff and in terms of its climate capabilities generally. How bad have things gotten at the treasury?
1: Well. You know, I think it's important to look back that it was Secretary Paulson and the Bush administration created the first climate and energy office within uh, the Department of the Treasury. Uh, that is an office that continued throughout the Obama administration and actually played a number of important roles in how we engaged in uh, international climate negotiations, how we worked with Congress on domestic legislation. Uh, how we implemented some of the Recovery Act from two thousand and nine that had significant investments in clean energy technologies. Um, that office no longer exists. Um, so I, I think there is there is a concern about the need to sort of rebuild uh, the staff within Treasury. I think one thing that's important is where there may be opportunities to advance the climate agenda through the tax code, um, whether it's in supporting renewable power, energy efficiency, new technologies like battery storage or hydrogen technology in the uh, industrial sector um, or, or low carbon mobility like electric vehicles. They do have good staff on the tax side of Treasury who have, have long worked on these issues and are still, are still there. Uh, but I think in terms of, of building up a lot of that policy expertise, they will need to make some investments in personnel. This is not an issue though, that's, that's unique to treasury. This is going to be an issue, I think in a number of departments in the federal government um, uh, to, to rebuild the expertise uh, in, in climate policy issues and climate change risk uh, throughout the government. So I, I think it's gonna start with how they bring in some of the, the political appointees uh, and making it clear to each one of them that uh, climate is uh, part of their portfolio Even if historically say the assistant secretary for domestic finance may not have thought much about climate change, you do want that person to think about this. You want the the, uh, assistant secretary of economic policy um, to be engaged on climate change, recognizing the implications it has for economic growth, but also how to engage in policymaking and rulemaking. Often the Office of Economic Policy at Treasury would work with other agencies as they help View of say EPA regulations or Department of Energy regulations. So I think there there are opportunities to sort of build in uh, the uh, into the portfolios of the political appointees you're you're bringing in that will then guide how you hire uh, new uh, new staff to tackle these issues. Uh, but I think it is something that that is going to take a little bit of time uh, to build out the staff, to rebuild the staff, to focus on international economic policy, both in how we engage in say, the climate negotiations and international climate finance, but also how we use uh, our foreign aid and our foreign assistance, uh, especially, say, through the development banks, like the World Bank and the regional development banks, uh, to try to promote uh, both uh, more climate resilient uh, development in the developing world, but also ensure that they reduce their emissions of CO2 as they continue to grow. So there's a lot that needs to be done. Uh, I think it's an opportunity that ma- actually makes it quite exciting for a lot of the staff to be able to take on a new challenge and to do so in a way that spans the, the capabilities across the department. Um, but the, the personnel challenge is one that they're going to have to tackle at the Treasury
0: Department. Well, you, You've really kind of emphasized this in your writing. You've said quite explicitly that, that climate, uh, climate knowledge uh, has, should be hardwired into the key job descriptions at the Treasury. Um, you know, I, I want to ask a, a related question here. We're talking about the tax code and and how the Treasury might act to potentially, I, I guess, um, you know, set policies that might be positive for green energy, for example. How does the Treasury's responsibility uh, to direct uh, tax code and uh, you know certain uh, tax policies compare to that of Congress generally? Um, is there overlap? Can Treasury do much without Congress's uh, say? How does that all work?
1: So, so tax policy is interesting as a as a contrast, if you will, to regulatory policy. Uh, Congress often delegates a lot of discretion to the executive branch in uh, designing and implementing regulations, uh, but in tax policy, there's very little delegation. Uh, there, there is a there's a little bit of of uh, opportunity for the Treasury and the IRS to make sort of technical adjustments in the tax code. So we adjust a number of, of, of provisions in the tax code to inflation. And so uh, Treasury and IRS will do an annual inflation adjustment for those, uh, those things, including, for example, in the, in the clean energy space, the production tax credit uh, for renewable power generation is indexed uh, to inflation. Um, but it's not like Treasury and the IRS on their own could go and design a carbon tax. Uh, They couldn't completely revamp the existing uh, 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 technology-specific tax credits and make them technology-neutral, low-carbon tax credits. So so there's got to be a lot of work between Treasury and Congress for what we might want to do through the tax code. And I think it's important to recognize, historically, we've actually done more spending through subsidies for clean energy technology than we actually do through direct appropriations, say, to the Department of Energy so so it is a key part historically of of what we have done to promote uh, clean energy and and when we did the recovery act of 2009 i think some of the most successful elements of that were the ambitious ramping up of tax credits for wind power and solar power that helped contribute to the the significant uh, investment we've seen in both technologies over the past decade so i think there's a lot where treasury does analysis that can help inform uh the uh bill writers in congress Uh, The the Treasury staff have already been, this is something they naturally do in an election year, they've already been scoring different uh, provisions of tax proposals from the candidates over the course of the summer and the fall. So they've already been doing some of their homework. And I think we got into a serious debate about how do we want to extend various kinds of tax credits for clean energy, how we might want to modify them. Or if we want to do something more ambitious like a carbon tax, these are all things where the analysis being done in the Office of Tax Policy is going to be critical to inform both the administration's work with Congress, but also be a direct input uh, to the work of of the House Ways and Means and the Senate Finance Committees.
0: You know, coming into the inauguration, uh, there was already some criticism uh, that uh, knowing what Yellen, you know, what stance she may take on on or is expected to take around climate, some have already been critical that she should stick to financial regulation and keep away from the climate issue. And and that raises in my mind the following question. So it seems that the Treasury is going to need some sort of justification to take on the challenge of climate change. I don't know if this is a legal uh, you know justification or not. When I think again about the EPA, its role is very clear, okay, to protect the environment, to protect human health. In the case of the Treasury, what is the justification, the fundamental justification it may use, that Yellen may use, to to act on climate?
1: So those who naively say, uh, just stick to the financial markets, just stick to growing GDP, I, I don't think they recognize that climate change is already here, that climate change is already in our markets. We We have evidence already that The value of coastal properties that are more likely to be inundated by storm surge and sea level rise are actually selling at a discount relative to other uh, 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 properties that are not subject to such uh, climate change risk. Uh, We've already seen in equity markets how companies that have a disproportionate share of their assets exposed to hurricane risk uh, see that their equity prices are more volatile and tend to be lower as a hurricane is approaching uh, their assets, uh, especially those along the Gulf uh, Gulf Coast. Uh, We we are seeing already investors recognizing uh, that where they spend money matters because of their concern about uh, both the magnitude of climate change risk, but then the fundamental challenge that it's really hard to diversify out of climate change risk. When you think about a lot of people who are investing monies, they're trying to manage both their return but they want to ensure that they, the way they are allocating their resources in their portfolio, they're able to diversify out of risk so that if they suffer a shock in one part of their portfolio, it doesn't mean the whole portfolio goes down. And that's the problem with climate change. Is this happening to the whole planet? It's really hard to diversify. And this is why you need to have economic policy taking into account the full gamut of the impacts of climate through the economy and the full range of policy responses that the U.S. government can do to mitigate those risks to the economy. So I I think it is something where it's clear we're already seeing in uh, financial markets, we're already seeing it in our lives today. I mean, if we look at the hurricanes, the intensity of hurricanes we've suffered over the past half dozen years, we look at the intensity of the forest fires we've suffered over the past half dozen years, it's clear that climate change is in the United States and it's playing out both in our lives every day, but it's also influencing Activity that occurs in the financial markets, and this is why you need to have, I think, a Secretary of the Treasury who recognizes that and leads the way tackling it. I will also note, the Secretary of the Treasury can do a lot that doesn't go through an, an existing authority. When the Secretary of Treasury starts to give a speech and say, you know, goes to um, uh, uh, traders on Wall Street or goes to the investment community and gives a speech about the importance of climate change that registers with people who make decisions in our economy. It's it's that kind of soft power that you're signaling that this is really important and we're going to be trying to tackle it in every dimension of the work that we do at the Treasury. It starts to then, I think, uh, uh, influence the thinking, the decision makers in the private economy. This is no longer something that the Environment, Health and Safety Office at the company needs to deal with. It's no longer something that the a corporate social responsibility office needs to deal with It is going to influence your day to day operations when you hear the Secretary of the Treasury when she says it's affecting the way she does her work day to day, and I think that. That has a really important impact in changing behavior and investment in the private economy that's not a function of going through any kind of existing statutory authority or, 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 or legal responsibilities.
0: So she can frame the conversation uh, in a lot of these these areas, it sounds like. Now now the Treasury Secretary, very interesting, is also the chair of what's called the Financial Stability Oversight Council, the FSOC. And and that council exists to address systemic risks to the U.S. financial system, and we've been talking about kind of this this broad systemic uh, influence that the Treasury may have so again the possibilities here to influence climate policy seem almost infinite are there particular opportunities that stand out
1: so we we have a pretty complicated uh, approach to financial regulation in the united states we have a number of if you want half of that soup of financial regulators most of which are independent regulators so you think of the securities and exchange commission uh that has oversight of of, uh, of equity markets we have uh the commodity futures trading commission um, that uh, looks at uh exchange trading especially of, of futures contracts and, and, and so on um, we have uh regulators of, of, of banks uh say the federal reserve board and the fdic and so on so we have a number of different uh, uh regulators and uh there was a concern about uh, naturally coming out of the financial crisis of 2007-2008 of of systemic risk uh, uh, becoming a problem again in the future. And, and especially because we have so many different regulators that, that there are occasionally opportunities where either a risk may span the jurisdictions of multiple regulators, or there may be uh, some new risk that sort of falls between the cracks between regulators. And so the Financial Stability Oversight uh, uh, Council was intended to try to address this It's chaired by the Secretary of the Treasury uh, to sort of monitor the economy, monitor the financial system, make sure that, that we're trying to, to stay ahead of the curve for any, uh, uh, any systemic risk uh, that, that may be posed to the financial system that may spill over into, uh, into the real economy. And I think here is an opportunity with respect to climate change, for the Secretary of the Treasury to elevate climate change and put it on the agenda uh, of the AFSOC. Of the and part of what you can do then is as you're having all the, the leaders of these regulatory commissions come together is is to highlight where there may be opportunities. Just, you know, you don't necessarily tell the chair of the SEC to go do something, Uh, but it's a way to put it on the agenda by shining the light on it and drawing the public attention to it, making it more likely that you might encourage uh, the chair of the SEC to take up, say, uh, new climate change oriented financial disclosure regulations. Mm -hmm. That's been Mm -hmm. uh, debated for a while. Or you may go to the, the bank regulators and say, you know one of the things that we did in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis was to stress test the banks and, and just see how uh, uh how uh, uh durable uh their their balance sheets looked uh when considering systemic risk we could create a new sort of climate-oriented stress test and, and just see that you know if, if uh if a given bank has a lot of, of its assets that may be uh, overly exposed to climate change risk. That's something that's important for us to know and to think about how we can manage that risk. Uh, So I think there's a number of ways in which the Secretary of the Treasury can help work with the other financial regulators and get them moving on this to, again, bring in and account for how climate change risk impacts different elements of the financial system
0: it's interesting as well that the treasury secretary is the chairman of the boards of trustees of social security and the medicare trust funds and these are massive non-discretionary parts of the federal budget now you've written that climate poses a financial risk to both of these programs how might the treasury influence policy here you know to to address climate change and climate risk
1: so you know a key thing in serving as the the chair of these boards is that these boards Give us an update on sort of what's the status of these trust funds do we have enough money in the social security trust fund and the medicare trust fund when we look at our long term liabilities. Uh, It has been something that's been going on now for decades where we say here's here's when we think that the trust funds might start to run out. And they have to report to Congress every year when they think there is a shortfall in the trust funds. And so typically, we end up getting these stories written about, about sort of what our what our sort of incoming revenue stream looks like, uh, how much do we think we have in these trust funds, uh, and, and, and how they may address uh, what our expected payouts are, both for Social Security when people are in retirement and for their health insurance uh, when they are also at retirement age and claiming uh, Medicare. Climate change could have, impl- have several implications for each of these funds when we think about how a a warmer climate when we look at some of the most recent research suggesting it could reduce worker productivity that might turn into then lower uh, uh, labor income which means since both these trust funds are financed by payroll taxes less revenues going in uh, it may have implications for the payouts especially in medicare when we think about the potential for uh, climate change to contribute to uh, uh, worse health outcomes Uh, so so it's something where i think um, As you noted, these these are sort of non-discretionary, but as their role in in chairing, in the Secretary of the Treasury and chairing the trust fund, it's another way to illustrate how climate change is impacting the way we as a government and we as a society have organized our efforts to take care of the older populations in our communities uh, through both Social Security and through Medicare. So I think it's a way to sort of highlight the risk that climate change uh, poses to these uh, trust funds, the risk they pose to our older populations, and to make it quite salient then, I think, for the policymakers in Congress, for them to understand just how pervasive climate change risks are in mm-hmm. our daily uh, daily lives. It,
0: we, we've talked about Yellen as in, in her new role as, as potentially being an influencer and influencing uh, other agencies to take a hard look at climate and its potential impacts and the risks. Um, but I want to ask you this, are there specific uh, legal authorities or more bluntly carrots and sticks that the Treasury can actually use to to really push through some some climate thinking a, 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 again across the government?
1: So I think one thing that the Department of Treasury has done and will do it and will be important early in the Biden administration is crafting uh, how we engage on international climate finance. Uh, This is something that has been a key part of the international negotiations on climate change dating back to the 1992 uh, Rio Earth Summit. Um, That there there is a concern that uh, the, uh, the developing world lacks the resources to invest in both lower carbon technologies as well as in uh uh, the technologies that will make their development more climate uh, resilient and this was a a key part of both the the 2009 copenhagen conference uh that um uh, really i think uh drove the the necessary pivot in international climate policy that led to uh the 2015 paris agreement uh, which is now the framework that governs the way we approach international climate policy the challenge is Soon after Paris, we have a a President Trump pull the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement and then to stop funding climate change efforts uh, through uh, both the Treasury and through our foreign aid uh, uh, um, uh, packages at the State Department and USAID. So I think I think one thing here is is early on the Secretary of the Treasury and the Department of the Treasury can say here is our path forward uh, in re-engaging the international community on climate change and demonstrating our seriousness. Starting with how we recognize the value in investing in climate change uh, through uh, through uh, um, the World Bank, through the regional banks, through the uh, Green Climate Fund that was established under uh, um, uh, in, really in the past decades, it was first proposed in the two thousand nine Copenhagen Accord. Uh, it is something that President Obama had. Uh, put in about a billion dollars towards what was a $3 billion promise. I think a lot of countries want us to sort of live up to that promise. I think there's a question about how we want to make investments, um, both that are substantial enough to demonstrate our seriousness, but also to ensure that we're, we're spending the money well, and that we're, we're really taking advantage of all the opportunities, both multilateral institutions, but also our bilateral funding. And this is where Treasury would work with state to ensure that we're getting the biggest climate bang for our buck. Uh, but I think that's something that, that at, at the get-go is something that uh, the Department of the Treasury can do uh, to, to help address climate change. The next thing is, I think, is, is to elevate, given the, the importance of rebuilding the global economy post-COVID, the Secretary of the Treasury, through the G20 process, which works through the finance ministers of the largest developed and developing countries, is to make sure that climate is integrated in that because that is gonna be the kind of ways in which we coordinate with our partners around the world and rebuilding the economy once we've got COVID managed uh, later this year.
0: You now I wanna go back to this, you mentioned the World Bank, the, the multilateral development banks, um, and, and to, to make sure I understand that correctly, so so the treasury secretary has significant sway in determining how those banks uh, spend their money, you uh, globally? Is that correct?
1: Right. So so um, Treasury typically represents uh, the United States government um, at the World Bank, at the IMF, and at the regional development banks. And so part of it is that we will be uh, weighing in on major decisions at those banks. In the past, we have weighed in on policies at these banks like to try to discourage investment in fossil fuel infrastructure projects in developing countries. So there's ways in which we can tr- try to change both of uh, uh, the policy at the banks, some of the investment decisions that, that, uh, uh, that are being evaluated by the boards of the banks, but also how much money we're putting into the banks and, and how we're directing them to specific climate-oriented funds. And, and that's where Treasury is, is the lead within the administration and how we work with Congress on what gets appropriated. You know, when we think about foreign aid, there's part of it that goes on a bilateral basis, and then there's part of it that it goes through um, these multilateral institutions. And it's that latter part where Treasury is the lead in the U.S. government. And they, they can be, I think, potentially quite clever and creative in how we go forward to make sure that we are um, a leader again, internationally, uh, and, and, and ensuring that as we are spending this money, because I will admit as someone who's been involved in these negotiations for a long time, I feel like there's been much too, too much focus on the inputs. How many dollars are we spending? as opposed to the outputs and the outcomes, what are we actually getting for these investments? And I think there's ways we can try to be more effective in evaluating the performance of, of the spending that can then guide uh, subsequent decisions about both the the amounts and the direction of our international climate uh, finance expenditures.
0: You also mentioned the word in, in their leadership, and you also uh, mentioned as well, the Green Climate Fund uh, and uh the U.S. pledged $3 billion to that fund uh, under Obama. Trump suspended payment, as you said, only about a third has been paid into that of, of our obligation. So when we talk about U.S. leadership, does this track record of, you know, American politics really kind of interfering with what we actually do, regardless of what we say, does this create a credibility problem for the Treasury in terms of its overseas influence?
1: Well, uh... U.S. climate policy has certainly been on a yo-yo for a couple of decades, and and this is an issue not just for Treasury, but it's an it's an issue that President Biden will deal with, uh, and, and will deal with on a number of fronts. This is an issue for climate policy, but given what the Trump administration did, for example, on trade policy, um, this will be an issue on trade policy as well. Uh, so I, I, I think that I think this is this sort of credibility issue is is important. I think it's it's the reason why. Uh, we should be thinking about crafting action and steps on climate policy that are durable. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's part of this is I, I feel like the, the Trump administration, you know, they kind of learned the hard way. They thought they could just come in and say uh, we're going to deny climate change and we're going to just promote coal and we're going to bring coal back. You know, this is one of the things that Trump promised uh, back in, in, 2016, that he was going to bring back coal, and that's not happened. And part of that is the fact that there were just some fundamental changes in markets uh, where uh, the the investments in renewables were durable. Once you build a wind farm or a solar facility, they're really cheap to operate. The costs are all up front. So once we built those, they were going to run whenever the wind blew or the sun uh, was shining. Uh, we have some things that are, that are truly durable, I think, in terms of fundamental changes in the supply of natural gas that drove down uh, uh, the, the price of natural gas. These market factors now are why coal never came back. It's just, it's just something where, where at the end of the day, you've had enough changes in the economy that, that these are going to endure. And I think that's one thing that's going to be critical is that if, if we see a really ambitious push over the next couple of years in policy that can drive down the cost of technologies that can uh, increase the penetration and deployment of these technologies in the power sector and transportation and so on. Um, If we we get where the Secretary of the Treasury makes it very clear to investors and business leaders alike that um, you really need to make climate change part of your everyday investment evaluation and your long-term strategy. And we see say the price of carbon being a a benchmark used in decision-making across the private economy we can see it being used as a benchmark in a lot of the decision making of the government. I think that's the kind of thing that, that signals that, that this is going to endure a change in administration in the future. And, and that's, that's it's going to be able to, you know, being able to demonstrate on the ground fundamental changes, both in policy, but also in our private economy and what they're doing to mitigate climate change, I think is what's going to be necessary for, for establishing, reestablishing that credibility when working with our partners around the world.
0: Well, you just hit on a point that is so incredibly important, and that's that yo-yo effect. And you you also just you know explained some of the ways that the Treasury can influence things, so that, say, post Biden, uh, a a a new administration would come that would not be so friendly to climate issues. It would be difficult to reverse some of these policies and these trends that are that are in place. And that's that's so important, not only for us to follow through on our commitments, but also for our global standing in this area.
1: Right, I, I think. There there are enough business leaders now that recognize, I think both the risk of climate change, but also the opportunities in how we chart a new path forward in growing our economy that can address climate change. And I think they're ready to work with the public sector and figuring out what's the right policy landscape to make that happen. I think some of them have been frustrated by the yo-yo The lack of predictability, the uncertainty. They see Washington as a vacuum over the past four years, but they operate in a number of states which have continued to move forward aggressively to address climate change. They're working in other countries in the world that are becoming uh, much more aggressive in tackling climate change. So I think part of the reason why we can be effective and we can sort of stop this yo yo is because it's not just what happens in terms of our elections, it's gonna happen, it's gonna impact what happens on the ground when we realize what was a a nascent uh, industry of installing solar panels a decade ago is now an economic force throughout the country. That manufacturing components to go into wind turbines ends up being a meaningful part of the U.S. manufacturing sector. That being able to make these kinds of investments in our infrastructure, to make us more resilient to climate change improves the quality of life of everybody around the country. It's those kinds of things that both make climate change more salient, but also help clearly illustrate the benefits of tackling the problem to everybody in our economy that I think is what's going to help, this, uh, help us really turn the corner and really drive the, the necessary change we need to tackle this problem.
0: Joe, thanks very much for talking. Andy, it's been my pleasure. Today's guest has been Harvard University Energy and Environmental Economist Joe Aldi. Visit the Kleinman Center for Energy Policy's website for more energy policy insights and research, and follow us on Twitter to get the latest updates from the center. Our web address is kleinmanenergy.upenn.edu. Thanks for listening to Energy Policy Now, and have a great day.